Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlon. Here's another episode of Tish Talk. This one is going to be so much fun, interesting. Um, I've got today with me Daryl Mackey. He's an amazing guy. Um, I got to know him through our work uh, running for PPC in the fall. He's a Christian. He's a husband. He's a um, father of five wonderful children. He's a teacher, an artist, an athlete, and has been a pastor and Bible student and truth seeker, uh, as well as a freedom fighter. So what an amazing guy. Welcome, Daryl. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Tish. I'm really happy to be on your podcast. I've uh, listened to a lot of your episodes and I'm uh, becoming a bit of a fan. So you do great work and I love your uh, the explorations you do on practical ideas and some ideas that are out there but need to be heard. So Let's oh, get into it. <laughs> thank you so much. And for those who haven't subscribed, I'm on uh, BitChute, um, uh, Rumble, and Brighton right now for video and Apple and Spotify. So please subscribe. And if you can, uh, give me a nice review to help uh, grow the audience. So today we're going to dive into um, a couple of really um, thought-provoking uh, ideas and, and, and some uh, concepts about God. And starting, uh, Daryl shared with me a book, which was very powerful for our times, called Return of the God. So, um, Daryl, let's just dive right into your thoughts on the times we're in from a biblical and religious uh, standpoint. Yes. Um, let's, let's begin with something that is very mysterious, but in our face. We don't know what to quite make of it or him, Kanye West or Ye, right? Yeah. Starting mm -hmm. point. Um, what's up with Kanye? He mm -hmm. just got himself banned from Twitter today, right? Just got back on. He's banned for life again. He went on Alex Jones yesterday, and he's probably the only person I know in the world who can make Alex Jones seem like a calm, nice, normal, <laughs> moderate uh, individual, right? It was it was that crazy of a conversation right that got him banned from twitter but what's up with kanye do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts yourself be aware of what he's about or he's up to yeah i mean he's he's been um i know he's been you know he blacklisted for his uh, thoughts about uh zionism and zionists um and that sort of stance he's taken and um you know his support for trump and obviously and you know his wife and all of that but well yeah what what at what uh what what was that episode about i missed that one with alex jones yeah. So, uh, I mean, he showed up with a full kind of like balaclava with no eye holes or mouth hole, just totally <laughs> face covered, like kind of playing some sort of interesting character or role that's he leaves it to us to define. Right. And I think with what Kanye's doing and what he's saying, he is playing a role that's actually a necessary role in our society. There's questions he's asking and things that he are he is saying that are like the things that can't be said and the questions that can't be asked that kind mm -hmm. of upset the apple cart. And he kind of tries to do it in a humorous or, you know, mm -hmm. thought provoking way. And I think he does it imperfectly and mm -hmm. maybe he does it foolishly. And I mm -hmm. think with that is the key, right? The idea of the uh, court jester of medieval mm -hmm. times. They actually played a very, very important role in medieval society because the king of the day, their word was law. You could never mm -hmm. cross the king. 
You can never go against the king's dictates or mandates. There was only really one person in all of the society who could make fun of the king or point things out or say things that couldn't be said. And that was the court jester. If you ever had a society in medieval times where they killed the court jester, that was a very clear indication that they had gone off off the rails into some dark territory, right? Because the jester has an important role. You got to keep people humble. You got to keep that humorous approach. And humor is a good way to reflect on some important or scary or dark issues, right? Mm, So I think maybe there's a possibility that Kanye is actually playing that role and maybe he's doing a good job at it. Certainly we're in a stage of cancel culture where he's, you know, killed, financially with his business dealings killed by being removed from Twitter and, and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. But what, what is his ultimate message? If I could sum it up, Kanye West seems to want to thank and praise Jesus Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a chance to hear his album? No, I'd love to, I bet we couldn't play that, but yeah, I know he's found God and he's, he's, uh, He's really a threat to the the pedophilia and the whole satanic Hollywood complex and music complex because he's he talks about God and Jesus, which is the last thing they want. So he's been saying he's got a lot of death threats and he's quite concerned about his longevity. But, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So if if that's his. if he's being genuine and that's what he's trying to do to thank God and glorify God with his work. And he's doing it imperfectly like we all do. And Mm -hmm. maybe he's saying some things that are going too far. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't right. Like we don't fully know what happened in the past. We don't even fully know what's going on around us today. Right. But I think, you know, someone like him, I'd rather have questions with no answers than answers with no questions. Like we've seen the past two years of lockdowns and mandates and questions, right? But what, what, one thing that's really interesting is one thing that Kanye brought to light was his uh, association with the fashion brand Balenciaga, right? Mm -hmm. And I know you talked about this on your last podcast, but they recently had a, an ad campaign with like a pedophilic or BDSM children and stuffed animals. And, and then, if you look deeper into the company, they actually have really weird child sacrifice and like human cannibalism sacrifice uh, ceremonies in their meetings. It's just very dark and bizarre. And that's kind of the way of the, you know, the fashion and Hollywood and that kind of that kind of world. There's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes that they do. And it's like it's becoming more and more normalized that stuff that would have been done in secret dark rooms and ceremonies are now being done more and more out in the open, right? Yes, and and their reason, they realized they'd gone too far. I saw one ad with a, it's so disturbing with babies dripping with blood. And they're like, oh no, oh, it was just a slip of, you know, oh, that was the photographer or we, you know, we didn't approve that. Like as if these things need multiple levels of approval. I think they were testing it to see if people can, will, will accept this sort of thing. If they move us into these dark zones, they are progressively moving us into these dark zones. Even Celine, Celine Dion's um, clothing line is so satanic. It's so disturbing and dark for little kids and not very many people even protested or said anything about that. We'll we'll go right back to what is going on with Balenciaga, but all of the corporations and all of the brands are all 
doing the same thing. It's hard to find a major global corporate corporation that's not participating in some of these types of ceremonies, like Nike releasing their Satan shoes with little Nas X or Simon's, yeah. the Canadian retailer who I don't even know much about their fashion brand, but they released that, that ad promoting euthanasia and making it seem brave and beautiful and yeah. wonderful and and awesome and it's it's death and it's it's murder and these yeah. are these are things are bringing to light so with balenciaga yeah. now, go oh ahead. yeah I, I just wanted to say even hall and uh hollywood with disney i don't know if you saw that that little show with kids uh, dancing around with signs and in the end that and it, oh yeah they said it was an accident but it they ended up forming signs that said we love satan instead of santa so it's right in our faces right now and that's what their agenda is yeah and it it's uh it kind of fits into the the category of the woke and then kind of the darkness beyond the the woke right but mm -hmm. with, with with this balenciaga they they had their ad and they had a couple subliminal messages hidden in their ad with like uh court documents related to you know anti-pedophilia decisions and stuff and all, all that stuff it's all it's all in there the company's denying it and it's all good we know that they're involved in it but balenciaga somebody did the translation if you go into google translate and you type in balenciaga in latin and then mm -hmm. translate it to english it actually says bal is king oh yes and it leads right into your book analysis yeah a lot of people don't know who is Baal. no and that, that's a good question like who really who cares Baal <laughs> is king that's probably some weird hindu god or something like that's what people are thinking Baal. I don't even know about, I don't care what, I don't even have a King. There's no King. That's an old school thing. Why would that even matter? Okay. So there's, there's one question that really, really puzzles me before we get to the book about the Bible. Okay. About people of God. And it's the instance in the Bible after the Exodus mm -hmm. where God does some miraculous signs, bring 10 plagues down on Egypt brings the, the millions of uh, Hebrews out of, out of slavery and bondage through the parting of the seas, like miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, God is present with his people in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, leading them through the desert, providing food, providing water. Um, and it's, it's amazing. There's nothing ever like it in history, right? Where God is right there. And then, at the moment where God is most present with his people on Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai is the place where Moses went up the mountain. God said, everybody else, even the animals, you have to stay away from the mountain. If, even if an animal touches the foot of the mountain, it has to be stoned. That's how holy or important what's going on. And God met with Moses face to face, right? But you can't see God's face. So he let Moses see his back. But I'm saying that's how intimate and personal and close God was with his people. Okay. Directly and through Moses. And he gave the 10 commandments mm -hmm. on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Now, while all this is happening, the people of Israel, the Hebrews are looking up the mountain. They can see the thunder and lightning and smoke and hear the earth quaking. And while they're watching it, less than, less than two days. Okay. Oh, I know they, they decide, we can't wait. We need to make a little golden calf for ourselves to worship so that we have a God. 
while they're looking up on the mountain. Now, the question that plagues and haunts me is why would they do that when they're that close to God? After all those miracles and two days, you can't wait two days. (laughs) So not only do they make another God violating the, the first two or three Ten Commandments, have no other God before me, make no graven image, all of that. But they actually ascribe their rescue and salvation from Israel and bond, or from Egypt and bondage to the golden calf, right? So you can't get more anti-God in his face. You can't get like farther away from God or in opposition and right at the moment that you're close. So, you know, why, right? Now, that begs the question, why would anybody move away from God? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we humanity was created in the garden we had adam and eve and they sinned and were cast out and people have had a kind of ebb and flow relationship with god throughout history right there's times where things are very dark and god's very silent there's times where you look back you're like wow it seems like god is really moving and creating a temple or you know jesus comes or you know the church is uh having some revival or whatever right but there's also times where like people reject God, like, uh, you know, with the New York Times headlines, God is dead, right? That announcement, uh, you know, we've moved away from God, we're postmodern now, we have our own way of thinking, we can make our own rules. And, uh, you know, we philosophically killed, killed God, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, not everybody knows that that was a quote taken by Frederick Nietzsche, that was kind of misquoted, or kind of like, they only took a part of what Nietzsche said. And Nietzsche actually said, God is dead and we have killed him and there isn't enough water on all the earth to wash away the blood of what we've done. He recognized how serious of a claim it is to say God is dead. You can't say it flippantly, but that's what kind of the headline implied. It's so interesting um, that, I mean, that you talk about this whole, you know, why do we turn away from God? And what we're we're seeing revealed is we we never turn away from the need to worship and so if you're not if you're not uh with god you're with dark forces that end up destroying you and it seems to be perpetrated throughout history and it's why do we turn away from our true god that always uh guides us wisely to these darker forces that call themselves so-called gods that end up destroying our lives completely (laughs) well what what i hope our conversation will show is why and how we actually do that right and i think there's good reasons for people to make those decisions i don't think these dark forces or dark gods um present themselves as dark forces or dark gods especially at first right just the opposite so yeah so here we are uh moses goes up the mountain and all of a sudden within seems like minutes but you know people just oh we can't wait and they make a golden calf and so jesus is i mean moses is furious with them yeah and and you know we don't know why explicitly they would do that but there is an an element of like the need to control or the need to have some sort of tangible expression of, of God that, that, you know, it wasn't enough just to see him from a distance or it wasn't enough that they couldn't be patients. And, and we're, we're returning to that kind of attitude today. So 
one thing over the past couple years, okay? I've, I've looked around and I've noticed there's a couple things in our society, in our world that are untouchable, that you're not allowed to disparage, you're not allowed to talk against. It's kind of blasphemy to do so. And I kind of looked around, and I thought, man, these are kind of like high places, right? So a couple of examples of things I'm thinking of, like uh, just say environment, environmental catastrophe or, you know, existential environmental climate crisis, global warming, acid rain, disaster, right? You know, in, in polite circles or in educational circles or governmental circles, you're not allowed to even act as if you're not afraid. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not afraid. I don't think that we're facing an environmental catastrophe of man's making. I don't think the world's going to end in 12 years for that. I don't, I don't even believe in man-made climate change, but it's something that if you say that or act like that in the house of parliament or in the university or in a public school, you're really, really slapped down for it. Right. Well, are you willing to tell the audience and you don't have to, because uh, that you, I know you're a teacher and an excellent teacher, but you have, been a discipline for actually speaking um, against some of these narratives, which is so unfortunate because we need you in the school system. I I am by the world standards a racist, a misogynist, a sexist, a homophobe, transphobe, mm -hmm. and a violent inciter. Oh, um, uh, couldn't be further from the truth. One of the, this know, man is one of the most loving, generous man I've ever met. Isn't that, it's disgraceful. Disgusting. But it, the, the, the reason why that's important and that's how they view me is because I don't respect, I don't celebrate, I don't adhere to, I don't hold up. I actually stand against these high places that the woke, the education system, these governments, these corporations are holding up, right? Another high place would be just say the, the pride movement or the trans movement. You can't speak against it, right? Even if you say, hey, I disagree. I have a traditional minded view on marriage or I don't think that just because someone medically transitions from man to a woman that they're actually that, right? Which is a, a fairly normal view up until 15 minutes ago that gets you labeled as a, you know, a homophobe or a transphobe or whatever, right? So I don't, I, that's another high place, right? Um, another high place would be something like, you know, abortion, whatever your position on it, Tish, or whatever anybody's position on it is, go ahead. But I have my view on it. I don't support it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't want more abortion. I want less abortion. I want none and if there are any i certainly don't want them like celebrated i don't want them supported i don't want them upheld stuff's going to happen people are going to make decisions bad decisions um but that's another high place right so you know and then you know maybe if we look at uh you know the, the whole covid narrative and the lockdown scenarios that's another kind of weirdly untouchable and it's who knows where that's going or what's going to happen with it, but it, it certainly was that. But if you look at those three high places that are, you know, philosophies or principalities or ideas or ways of acting that are untouchable in our society, they correspond very directly with some historical 
gods or historical ideas. Pagan gods, pagan gods. Have plagued God's people in the past. All right. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to this book here. This book is called Return of the Gods. As I'm looking around and I'm saying. Jonathan Kahn for my audio listeners. Yeah. Jonathan Kahn, The Return of the Gods. I would suggest to anybody listening that it is the most important book to get right now to kind of understand what's going on behind the veil yeah. in our society. Why people are acting so absolutely insane. Why it's like clown world, right? Yeah. Uh, why wrong is right, right is wrong. Um, it, it, yeah. it was a book he recommended and I took it when I went away and I thought, oh, I'll just try this out. And I was like, I just kept, like I couldn't stop reading it. It's so powerful. And let's dive in because um, can you do a, a bit of a like absolutely so, synopsis without giving away, but just the the you know just the I love the way you chunk in. Here's the the main gods and and they come across as very positive influences, almost like in the '60s, and that's really when they started this great deception under the guise of freedom. They introduced you know the hippie movement, and then you didn't really need responsibility; you could be drugged out, and that you didn't need your own self responsibility. They introduced yeah. feminism, so yeah, you don't need your a man in your life. To, you know all of these influences that sounded good to a lot of people. I personally have always rejected feminism. <laughs> I yeah. like, but all of these forces always sound like they're going to be good. So it's fascinating. So there's a, there's a, a verse in the Bible, the a parable that Jesus taught called the, like, uh, you know, I forget what it's called. The, the, the clean house. Right. So it kind of tells a story of, of someone who's plagued by a, an evil spirit and you, you can think of it as like, oh, they're consumed by rage or alcoholism, or they've got some problem, right? And then the person cleans up their act, gets rid of that evil spirit, whether through an exorcism or, you know, clean living or whatever, but they clean up their act. They don't have that problem anymore. And that evil spirit leaves them and goes through the dry places and can't find a place to rest. Mm-hmm. And then because the person's house is clean, that evil spirit will go around looking, maybe come knocking on the door. And when it finds the house clean and swept and the door may be slightly ajar, then it goes back in and enters and brings with it seven other demons that are worse than itself. And the condition of the person is worse then than it was before when they were plagued by the demon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that verse, I think, has traditionally been interpreted as the life of an individual right? It's pretty clear the way it's, it's spoken of. But the one line that comes right after that verse, Jesus says is, that's how it will be with this generation, or that's how it is with this generation. So what Khan recognized is that that may be a way that societies um, deal with or interact with these evil spirits, right? Now, in ancient Israel, there were three main gods that were rivals to the Lord, right? The chief other God that Israel and people of God always turned to was Baal, right? The Baal, the same Baal of Balenciaga, mm-hmm. Baal is king, right? And what Baal is, is the chief other God, okay? Baal has the same characteristics as Zeus, as Jupiter, and many other kind of mythological high gods, right? A rival to God. Pagan what makes God pagan gods yeah um thor right things like mm-hmm. that what makes baal so appealing is that baal's ascribed characteristics are very similar to god 
Baal could be considered the, the, the best of what God has created, right? Power over the thunder and lightning, power over the rain and dew, mm -hmm. uh, power to make you fertile or to make your fields fertile, um, like that, right? So some of the good characteristics of, of God, okay? The, the second God that plagued the people of God and plagued Israel was a God called Asherah or Ashtarah, or Ishtart, or um, mm -hmm. Ishtar, Anana, or whatever. But she was like the god of sex, and fertility, and war, and alcohol. And um, Baal would often be manifest as a, a little kind of almost holy golden statue that you would place mm -hmm. in your home, or place in the town square, and you would revere it. And I think when you first introduce a Baal into your life, you're still serving God. You just got mm -hmm. a little bow. Right. right. Just a little bit in cracking the door. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I still serve God. I just feel like I need a little bow just to make my small business work. Right. Kind of like one of those, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> bouncing things. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Um, but with Asherah, um, she manifests as these Asherah poles, right. Which are like, fertility pools, right? And her temples would be places of sex. There would be like kind of eunuchs, orgies, um, mm -hmm. drunkenness, debauchery, all, all the, debauchery, that whole like kind of sex, drugs, rock and roll type uh, place, right? Yeah. And then the third God mm -hmm. that Israel or people of God had to deal with back in the day was a God called Molech. Terrible, terrible manifestation. You couldn't create a darker more evil more sinister more fiery god right and uh what molech actually requires is child sacrifice or sacrifice of the innocent so those are the three main chief rival gods that kept popping up and then people of god kept inviting into their town or into their heart or into their home and uh you know you kind of wonder why right? How could somebody go from serving the most high God to having this huge metal statue with its arms out blazing fire and then in the cover of darkness with beating drums and loud music and, you know, just uh, distracting situations would throw their children into the fire, kill their beloved babies, right? How could you go from that to that? Well, you, you don't. You don't go from God to Molech. Okay. The way, the way it works, it's kind of like, um, it's real easy to get there, but you go inch by inch, step by step, things happen slowly, then all of a sudden. Okay. And if you look at our, our society, how the hell did we get here? Why are, why are we arresting pastors and throwing them in, in, uh, isolation in jail for months at a time and releasing pedophiles on the street after a couple of days, right? Yeah. Why are we selling the most toxic drugs to our children and babies right now and, and, and putting up signs every while well, we put up sign every child matters? I mean, it's distortions, perversion. It's the opposite. These are deceptive so-called gods, fake, fake gods that come in offering, ooh, wooing you with something, uh, wooing you with instant gratification or some big material prize and then it's always a great deception and it always ends up destroying your life, your family, um, your sexuality, your gender, your purity and um, horrifically, most horrifically children.
I don't know how we got here. No, I, I do know. Why yeah. are we arresting pastors? Why are we letting kids make unilateral decisions to cut their reproductive parts off with top or bottom surgery? Why are we being forced to pretend that a trans woman is a woman or whatever? Why are we silent or celebrating the murder of almost 5 million unborn babies in Canada alone? It's the number disgusting. In the yeah, more it- than 10 times that amount. Right? And but now have- you can you can abort a child up to a year old now, no questions asked. And children now under this uh, maids, I know we've I've spoken about it before, but it's relevant now. Now they're going for children with they're called mature minors, and they're allowed with all their the horrific things they've done to affect their mental health. They can walk into the doctor's office and say, "I want to be euthanized," and they can do it without parental consent. They're going to allow kids to kill themselves. They're going to allow people that are having a bad day or feeling a little bit depressed to kill themselves. They're going to, you know, kind of encourage people who are yeah. sick, who might be a burden on the healthcare system or elderly who would require, Oh, maybe five or six more years of care in a home. It's probably a little easier on everybody. If you just take the mate, right. James one twenty seven says mm-hmm. pure and faultless religion is this. There's a message here behind what I'm saying. The, 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 the kernel of message I would like people to understand is that these gods are going to tempt us. There's good reasons why people turn to Baal. We'll figure out who he is in a sec. Why people would turn to Asherah, why people would turn even to the darkest, uh, most child murdering Molech. Mm-hmm. There's good reasons why, right? Um, but James 1.27 says, pure and faultless religion is this. I don't even like religion. I don't think Jesus was very religious. I think religion causes a lot of problem, but people have proclivities and people have kind of needs and they need to have something to touch and routines. And that's why religion developed. But pure and faultless religion is this. Take care of the widow and fatherless. So the most vulnerable people in your society, especially in ancient times, if you were a widow and you had no man to take care of you, you were cast out on the street and there was no one to really help you, right? You're very vulnerable. If you're a child who didn't have a father, we didn't have foster homes or schools mm-hmm. or government agencies. It was like, you're on your own and you're a little street urchin. You got a pickpocket or whatever. You're going to get abused. Those are the most vulnerable people in our society, the elderly and the vulnerable children, okay? Take care of them and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty, pretty yeah. doable, right? And that's that's what uh, James says pure and faultless religion is, right? But listen, how, do, how, how did we get here that all those things are happening? It's as easy as one, two, three. The first step is by deciding even one degree or one rule or one word, deciding for yourself that you know better than God, that you're going to do things just slightly differently. Right. Mm. It's just like, oh, I worship God and everything, but I just have one little bow or, you know, I, I like the whole Bible. I just don't really like the way it says, oh, just say like uh, um, homosexuality is a sin or whatever. Like, I, I just don't like that. It doesn't, doesn't jive with me. It's not very modern or hip or whatever to make those decisions or to say, yeah, I like all the Ten Commandments. But, you know, number number four is kind of outdated. So we do all the rest, but I'm not going to keep the Sabbath or whatever, whatever it is, just at whatever point you decide, you know, better than God, and you do things slightly differently, even one degree. It's kind of like this. If there's a big circle and God's right in the middle, and you got to kind of walk towards that 
point in the middle. That's the narrow path going towards the target, which is God. The definition of sin in is missing the target. If you're one degree off, if you're 0 0.0001 degree off and you miss that target, if you keep going that direction, you're going to eventually be an infinite distance away. Mm, interesting. So you, you, all you need to do is just say, I reject one little thing in the Bible and that's how it starts. And then at a certain point, you, what do you think about people who say now that we're seeing how much corruption and fraud there is like we're learning, you know, the medical fraud, the COVID fraud, the climate fraud. I've been reading about the fraud along even our the, the story of our our history and our ancestry and where we came from. All of these, uh, you know, paleontologists and, and just overwhelming evidence. Yeah, uh, yeah. Many people also say that there's parts of the Bible that have been hijacked. Now, the message is true and clear. And but um uh, yeah, it gets it gets confusing. And I guess it opens up that door for people like, well, it might be a fraud. I'll just do it this way. So what do you say to people like that? And how do you stay on the true path to God? I mean, the true narrow path. OK, um, I, I think it is very simple. I I don't believe that the word of God is corrupt, has been corrupted. I believe the the word of God is uh, inerrant and is here, divine here. and is is you know the word of god jesus is the word of god i think it is um pure and holy and good and right it's very easy to corrupt and use for vain or selfish or evil purposes obviously the the movie the book of eli have you ever seen that movie no after it is um, it good it's very fascinating it's um it was will smith and he's a guy who's traveling through this kind of dystopian world and there's a bad guy trying to get him because Eli has something on him that this bad guy wants. And what it is, is the last Bible in the world or in America oh, or whatever, wow. right? So this bad guy wants that Bible because he knows that if he can get the words of God, he can use them to control people and manipulate them. And he will be an all powerful leader of his region, right? Oh. That's the power that the word of God has for mm -hmm. corruption, right? But you can use a tool, you can use a hammer for hammering nails, or you can hit someone over the head with it, right? You can defend right. yourself with a gun, you can hunt with a gun, you can, or you can murder right. somebody, right? It's, it's a tool, right? Right. But it's a good a, analogy, right. But what does, what does Micah 6, 8 say um, about how to follow God, how to walk a pure path? What does God require of us? There are hundreds and hundreds of rules don't do this don't do that you can't do that this day these people can't talk to you have to all, all that stuff is is there and is true and is real but that's not what's required that's that's when you get deep you actually you actually also have your conscience you have the holy spirit and you have the word and if you strip all that away and say listen i'm gonna i'm gonna take this simply i'm gonna follow you know jesus words at my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just follow me and, and I will provide your daily bread. Okay. So you're walking on this narrow path and you're thinking, okay, where am I going or what am I supposed to do? Micah 6, 8 tells us what God requires. Now, I think anybody who's an atheist or a new believer or a deep born again, Christian or whatever, this is doable, right? Oh, what it says is um, what God requires of you is to do justice. Mm. to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
Now, those three things, if you were to say, all right, I don't know a lot about God. I don't know a lot about how to be perfect and be a good mm -hmm. Christian or whatever. But those are three things that you can do, right? Yes. Now, Basically, you know, do justice. Uh, would you interpret that as, you know, speak the truth or make sure you stand against wrong action um, in the world? Um, yeah, I think people... ultimately justice is um, praising and lifting up what is good and suppressing and putting down and consequencing what is bad, right? Mm -hmm. Eliminating or removing what is bad. That's, that's justice, right? I think uh, even that word has been kind of the definition of justice has been changed, just like the definition Reverted. of all other foundational words in our society. Social justice isn't justice. The reason why social justice isn't justice is because they've elevated the second part of that saying, love mercy, to supersede the justice. Now, it kind of works like this. Uh, a group or a nation or um, you know, a city has to do justice without mercy. You know, if you if you steal, then the consequence is this. If you murder, the consequence is this. If you break whatever rule, the consequence is this. Because justice is blind. You don't get partiality if you're rich, and you don't get partiality if you're poor. The people who are woke, they would argue that the people who are rich have been getting too much partiality in the past. So to fix it, we have to swing the pendulum back and start giving partiality and passes to people who are poor. But the Bible speaks to that and it says, don't give partiality to the poor. Don't give partiality to anybody in justice. Now that's how society needs to operate. So people know what the rules are. They know what is good and they know what's bad. But in your- Well, wait, wait, but I wanted to address this because this is becoming very important. What, what we're living in, this clown world, is people don't know truly what's good and bad. And so even if I'm saying, well, this is bad, they're like, well, that's just your belief. And, you know, and then so this whole, it's truth has become subjective instead of a foundation based on God's natural law. And we've lost that. We've become uh, deceived and everything and truth is uh, distorted. So it's hard to do justice. And this is what we're coming up against yeah. in the COVID crimes, getting justice because they don't believe that there's justice required for their subjective. Well, we, we live in a postmodern subjective truth, you know, your truth, my truth, reality where there's no God or all beliefs are valued. And we live in a multicultural society, which has nothing to do with race. Okay. So just say one of the planks of the PPC platform is like against official multiculturalism. And that's one of the areas where people attack them and say, Oh, you're racist. You don't like multiculturalism. You're racist. You don't like different skin colors, but that's not what multiculturalism is in its essence. Multiculturalism culture, the core of your culture is your belief, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what you believe will De define how you act, what rules you make, what things you value, how type of music you listen to, what kind of things and, you reject. It's, so, it's belief. And who you worship, because we are built for uh, deep belief systems. And these unbelievable um, families and influences and the elites, whatever you want to call them, they are masters at social engineering. And they've been doing it little baby step by baby step and taking taking this from people and implanting all these uh, false belief systems, which makes the battle for truth that much harder and for justice to be a, you know, truly on God's path. So we, we need discernment for sure. We certainly need prayer to get back to God. Well, we've had, we've had 
you know, maybe since the 60s or maybe since the 80s, there's different arguments as to kind of when this all began. But they've definitely, they have definitely had 20, 40, 60 years of indoctrination and raised mm -hmm. one, two, maybe three generations um, to not know God, to not mm -hmm. know truth, to not know what God says is good, to mm -hmm. be their own gods or to believe that all beliefs are equal, all truths are valid, um, all ways are like all different ways acceptable. you can walk are, are acceptable. And that's not the reality. You know, um, it's not true and it's not reality. And it's not good to act that way. Um, how do we know what's good, right, and true? I mean, ultimately, if God is real, then God gets to decide what's good, right, and true. And, uh, you know, we'll find out one way or the other. And I think that that kind of brings us to the back to the these return of the gods. Okay. So Jonathan Kahn's idea in his book is that these three same gods, a God who's like a, a copycat of God, but just, you know, kind of almost like the, the height of human imagination, all the good characteristics of creation manifest in one thing, a bow, or your own personal heart and follow your desires and your sexual proclivities and your wanting to kind of get drunk and have fun and, and, and have the ashras or um, these child or sacrifice of the innocent. These gods have returned and you can clearly see them. They're like the high places I recognize that you can't you. speak against in our day. Now, in ancient Israel, there was many kings. Just say there was approximately 30 kings. Almost every one of those kings was judged to have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. So all of the leaders of Israel back in the day were bad, bad kings. And there's only one qualification that God used to decide whether these ancient kings were good or bad. And it's what they did with the high places. There was only about approximately 10% of the kings who tore down the high places, got rid of the bowels, tore down the Asherah poles, kicked out the Molech high places and stopped the child sacrifice. Everything else they did was forgotten and not recorded. It's just, did they do that or not? Okay. Mm, so it might be food for thought for us. Maybe it's just some ancient story that has no relevance to our lives whatsoever, but I don't, I don't quite think so. Um, so we may find ourselves in a time where there's these high places. You can't speak against environmental human climate catastrophe. You can't speak against LGBTQ stuff. You can't speak against abortion. Okay. Um, so what do we, what do we do? These are overarching principalities, God's ideas that are ruling our day. Now, what, what I, what I've come to understand is that people, when they move away from God, there's only so far you can go right? Like you can't really escape from God. You can pretend that there's no God. You can pretend like you can decide for yourself, but there's really only three realms of temptation that take you away from God. Three other paths you can go down besides the narrow path of God. And uh, there's something in classic kind of Christian understanding called the three realms of temptation. And they are the world, the self, and the devil. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those are the only three areas or principalities that you can go on to get away from God. 
And, and with the world, do you mean success and materialism, just get as much gold and build up your, what, what do you mean for each of those? So yeah, just, so just like one fundamental way is like you can't serve God and money, right? So yeah. money is like a, a system of the world. That would be a very obvious one, right? But the world is basically the, the collective imagination or the collective will or desire or collective pattern recognition or collective like mythological understanding of these like, um, transcendent stories encapsulized in a thing, right? Right. You can't like any any ideas that the world is going to, you know, foister upon you um, that isn't in accordance with what the Bible says about God is a world's idea, right? Okay. And they, they can sound awesome, like they can be kind of benign, right? Like you can make you know, Sunday NFL football, your God, just, I love, I love the excitement. I love the energy. Right. I, it's, right. It could be anything, right. But it's just whatever the world comes up with to distract you or turn you away. Um, okay. The world. Okay. okay. Now. Yeah. Selfish. You said the second one was is the self, right. You can yeah. turn it's away selfish. from God and follow your own selfish desires. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Bible verse is the, the heart is desperately wicked. Okay, that's the way Jeremiah describes it. And the kind of the call of the temptation of the self is to follow your desires. You do you, right? Do what thou wilt, but harm no one. That's actually the kind of church of Satan mantra, right? Do what you will, just harm no one. Now, that idea of harm no one, that's actually uh, biblical. But what they do, just like the lie in the Garden of Eden, well, which said like, you shall not surely die or you shall be as gods. There's half truths that are mixed in with some of these lies. But anyways, you follow your, your heart's desire. You follow your own lusts. You follow your own wants. And you're going to find yourself in a place of debauchery, right? You're going to mm-hmm. find yourself in a place of sexual exploitation and, you know, drunken stupor because there's only, there's only so many pleasures of the, the flesh out there, right? So many things you can pursue that's going to gratify your body, but the self is going to lead you away from God. And the last one is the devil. Okay. There is a real devil. He's the father of lies. He's a murderer. He's a thief. Okay. But he's a very real spiritual being that, you know, it's hard to comprehend. It's really hard to comprehend the spiritual realm, but what's interesting that there's only three realms of temptation that could lead you away from God. And they correspond directly with each of these three gods. Now, what these three gods may be actually are demonic presence, right? Right. We're pushing you down these paths that go away from God. But inevitably, when you follow each and every one of these paths, because we are beings of God, you end up feeling absolutely empty and disparaging and they're all they all are sort of spiritual dead ends that lead to destruction and misery you know destruction of family destruction of your life your everything um and and then then you're you're in this uh worse place and look at look at society now I mean, suicide rates, I mean, disturbing violence everywhere. We've got people with mental health issues. I mean, the, the fact that who is living in joy, um, you know, and that's what following God's path does give you is joy, spiritual joy and bliss. Yes. And so <clears throat> when you're following God's path, it's not easy. It's actually very hard. 
right? And it's a difficult, yeah. it's almost like um, bearing your cross, walking uphill on the mountain of God. And that's doesn't get, doesn't get any harder. Okay. Um, but what happens is there's, problems with god right like you 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 follow god but you still people still get sick or you still have problems at work or relationships and you still have temptations and you still have questions and you still have proclivities one like very easy example of a problem with god is that there's lots of times where god feels or seems distant from us right so what do we do about that like there's there's biblical times where god didn't speak to his people for 400 years right um, or people that kind of get saved in, in with Christ. And then you kind of like 10 years later, you kind of feel like, oh, where is God? I'm not sure I have, have doubts. But what, what people do is they they need something to, to see and touch and feel. And a God that starts to feel far away or distant, um, that's why we start making graven images for ourselves, right? And that's what kind of the bowel is like a graven image, right? But even we could make graven images that are, with good intentions, right? A graven image is anything in the heavens, on earth, people, animals, the earth itself, anything you kind of mold and can hold and you kind of bow down to, right? So what's even your, the, what's your the, thoughts on, just to interject here, just because you're on this topic, what's your personal thoughts on new age, the whole new age crystals and all these figures? And do you think that's a, 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 a ball? Um, or do you think it depends how you use it? You know, if you're using it in Jesus name, I mean, some of these things get complicated. Um, and some Christians are, you know, some people are quite firm that that's sort of a, a demonic type of thing. It's hard to say. I, I think you don't need anything else, but you know, food and water and the, the word and the spirit. Right. And, and, Bible. and yeah. I think, Often people, people think what they're doing is they're worshiping God and you just got a little ball here and you're kind of doing God and ball at the same time. <laughs> the ball's yeah. only for this one little thing and it shouldn't matter. And I think it's probably the same way with a lot of new age things with people who have good intentions. Okay. And they put these crystals kind of just in the, in the way of God, or they put some oh. faith in them or whatever. Right. But oh. listen, people actually do that with the cross itself. People make crosses and I've got a cross around my neck. Yeah, me too. May, it might very well be a graven image. I don't know. Like I, I'm not perfect, but the reason why I have this is for three reasons. One, it helps me to identify myself. People see it and oh, you must be a Christian. Okay. The other one is it helps me to remember. I look mm -hmm. at myself in the mirror. I see this and go, oh, yeah, I remember Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Right. And the other reason that we would do this, we're like, I want to glorify God. I just want to show that this is, this mm -hmm. is my God. And, and those three reasons. And, and here's the thing. Maybe when God says, don't make a graven image, right? It would include this because God tells us how to glorify him. And we are identified by our love, right? And our remembrance is meant to be an effort that we participate in as we go to bed, wake up, leave the house, come home, walk on the road. We're supposed to teach and recall and remember the, the our history and our story and teach it to our children right so this may be you know the first tiny little step towards an idol but here's what happened when you serve another god you become like the gods you serve okay so if you choose a, a bow who's not god eventually you're going to become like that god and what are these idols they're empty 
they're deaf, they're dumb, they're blind, they're weak. And you actually become that. And at a certain point, if you go away from God, you reject, you go to crystals. Like at a certain point, you'll realize, man, there's like something there, but it's not eternal salvation. It's kind of like a bit empty and it can't actually solve my problem. And you come to a point where it's like, at that point, you can go back to God and be like, oh, I was wrong. I shouldn't have served mm-hmm. the bowels or had the crystals or whatever. Right. But you don't human proclivity is you don't. What happens is you actually take the next step. You realize, man, this bowel was empty. It's not serving me. I've already rejected God, killed him in my heart, committed adultery with another God, had an yeah. idol. I'm already so far gone. And you look around, you're like, you know what? What's stopping me now? I Just might as double well down. I might as well double down and choose a God that I actually want and like a God like me. And that's where people go from God to Baal to these Asherahs, because what she offers is you don't have to worry about God. You can do whatever you want. You, all you have to do is follow your heart. That's my actual command. Do what your heart tells you to do. Right. Well, I wanted to interject because in the book, one of the things I read is disturbing because we we now with this sort of apocalyptic time we're in this sort of revealing of everything it's coming to the surface. We're seeing how evil the world really is. And it's our journey to sort of stand against it. I think God's calling us to. And that's he's giving us a clear I think he's teaching us a lesson. What is right and wrong again? So that's like we didn't see it before. But in the book, these these dark satanic forces was through Ishtar they're actually being and these satanic clubs they're being taught to maximize their sins and and suffering of others as a way of getting God like an like a teenager getting God's attention so that ultimately they can be forgiven because he'll forgive all sins so they're literally taught that I can't remember that you know dark guy wrote one of those magic books Alistair Crowley or that this church of Satan that's one of the things they do so that's why they they love to harm God's innocent children with their child sacrifice they feel like they're getting getting god's attention in a way so it's like a it's like a rebellion it's ultimately always a rebellion against the one true god well how how would how would satan or some demonic being get an average joe a normal person who's like kind of used to be a person of god or just raised in a normal family or how would they get them to murder the innocent or to agree with it or be complicit in it. It's unfathomable how a normal person would throw their baby into a fire and celebrate it, or how like a you know Hollywood actress would get up on stage and say, I thank my abortion for this Oscar. Without my abortion, I wouldn't have achieved yeah. this. Like, how, how do we get to that point, right? So, yeah. so here's what happens. Once you, once you start choosing a God that's like you and you go as far to the depths of your own personal depravity, heart heart of depravity, um, you come to a realization that, man, you're not kind of free from your consequences of your sin, right? Sin becomes pregnant, like physically. So in these ancient temples or high places, they'd go to these fertility pools, have their sexual religious rites, and then like babies would happen, right? And in these days, you know, like free love, free sex, sex on campuses, hooking up multiple partners, your body count, all that stuff. But like babies happen from that, right? And like birth control and trying to mitigate that, but babies happen, right? Sin becomes pregnant. And, And also like, so the real manifestation of your sin comes when a baby comes kind of out of wedlock, especially when you're not even like really with the person or, or, um, you know, your, your sin and guilt, you come to a realization that like, man, like 
there i can't escape from god i'm kind of guilty of like just all this promiscuous sex and drunkenness and like i'm broken hurting empty alone i don't know what to do okay and, and i wanted to say even if you don't have god in your heart at that point whatever you do you'll feel the consequences and maybe you don't understand that this is the way this is the natural law of the world if you've rejected god right it's like you 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 may never have even uh found god yet but your your consequences of your action will always come back it's this a natural law humans have a kind of a god-shaped hole or a proclivity for need needing to worship or need something higher than themselves right and and so when you reach that depths of personal depravity and realize oh my gosh I've, I've sinned so much i'm so broken so helpless i don't know what to do at that point you can go back to god god's always calling you back that door is open jesus says come to me all who are heavy burdened and weary laden right but at that point you don't people just don't right so so what happens is you're you're riddled with guilt riddled with shame riddled with like suicidal thoughts you're just empty right then along comes this next god the final god who makes you an offer he says i know that you're riddled with sin i know you're riddled with guilt what i have to offer you is like uh, atonement for that sin if you just do kind of what i ask you to do your sin Mm. will be absolved so all i ask of you or demand of you is that you sacrifice your child in the fire or you you know sacrifice your child with abortion to kind of get rid of it just do that for me okay do do you think this is unconscious uh this 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 playing out within people's minds because most most people overtly wouldn't sacrifice their child and i mean most people young people getting uh going through and abortions don't think of it in terms of an atonement for their sins so 100 private yeah 100 it's unseen and 100 it's uh the word you used unconscious yes um but the reality is the people 2000 years ago or 4000 years ago who were sacrificing their children into the fire with like Literally beating with priests up at the front under cover of darkness and music and flames and distraction. Did they think what they were doing was wrong or did they think they were participating in a legit religious experience that would achieve what they were trying to achieve, which is like covering their sins. Now, I just wanted to say, because this is a really important question for you, maybe point, but in this in this deceptive society where the devil is snunk in is tricking people and even in movies they say these dark forces they're telling you what they're going to do in movies and if you do nothing that for them that's consent to continue so they like you said these dark moloch forces have demanded they gave you what you want they let you do all these sins and debauchery and they gave you your addictions and everything and your worldly money and now it's like they're demanding their payback, which is a sacrifice, and they're doing it subvertly. You know, consent when you go and get all of the childhood shots and everything else that's going. All these yeah. uh, really dark, uh, the, the dark business of the big pharma. You sign a form. It's like you're giving consent, and this consent is their payment for giving you what you wanted, which ruined your life ultimately and left you spiritually uh, empty. It, great insight. That word consent. We'll come back to it in. Uh... Yeah. In, in one sec, right? So I don't think the people that are doing abortions 
know the the spiritual implications or know who's behind it or know the the history of Planned Parenthood or Margaret Sanger or all these people. They don't they don't know that. But yeah. just being ignorant of it doesn't change what it is. Right? Yeah, and 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 the it, it feels to me like they've demanded this now. They've given sixty years, and this has played out as you've said, and even in the book, this pattern of leaving God and then taking in these dark fake gods that end up destroying your life and um, everything else. They demand um, a t- they demand their payment, and then God comes in and judges people. But even now with euthanasia, I mean, it's just it's a call for death and murder. So we've got increases in, in, in abortions and suicides and euthanasia and in violent crimes. So it's we like live in a culture of death. It's a death cult here, certainly in Canada. Uh, sadly, so we've brought ourselves to the place where five million unborn babies have been murdered. And now we're introducing murdering the elderly and the, the homeless and the poor and the young who are depressed, yeah. feeling anxious. Okay. Um, and anyone else, we are at the point where we are the farthest away from what's good, right. And true from that path that you can get, you can't get any worse than harming the little ones. Okay. And harming the innocent. It's, it's the definition of the darkest human ability to do evil. Now, this is a, this is a kind of a, a weird thing to say, but like, People act like because abortion is so clean, it's kind of behind a facade of a wall. And like, if you see the procedure, it's actually terrible. There's a, a little documentary came out called The Procedure you oh, can Google okay. that outlines it. It's, it really shows that how disturbing it is. But anyways, it, it, it seems like it's planned parenthood. It's like right, my, my body, my choice. Uh, it's, it's like, just like the ancient ones were hidden behind this religious ritual where you're distracted and it's the definitions of change. It's not child murder. It's, it's a religious sacrifice. This isn't child murder. It's, it's a reproductive health, right? It, it still is what it is. We are at the point where we are doing the darkest, most evil, murderous, satanic things and celebrating them. Okay. So the, my, my, my work kind of based on Jonathan Kahn's work, um, his idea that these ancient gods have returned, they've set themselves up as high places. And really, you got to get yourself right with Jesus, because what happens is God is going to judge anybody who acts this way. God can't not judge anybody who acts this way. And um, normal people can't not judge people that act this way. Any culture that gets to the point where they're a culture of death, where they're murdering the innocent, any other group of peoples, no matter what religion or faith or background, when they look around the world, do their exploring, do their merchandising, traveling, and they see this, they are obliged in their heart of hearts to take action. When the conquistadors or the Spanish went over to the Aztecs and they're like, hey, this is cool, nice uh, jungle you got here, take us to your cities. And they go in and they see the priests chopping people's heads off and rolling down the um, pyramids or cutting people's hearts out and human sacrificing to their sun god. They had to take action. They had to cut that out and eliminate it at the peril of their own souls, right? When Hitler was doing what he did and killed 6 million Jews or whatever, right? When the British or whoever sees that, they, they have to take action and stop it, right? You just, you can't. So judgment is going to come when you get to this place regardless. Now, my, my kind of philosophy 
is return to God instead of the return to God. So what happens is instead of, of like, return of the gods, it's return to God. I just because when you move away from God, you're going to move to Baal, who's like God. You're going to move to Asherah, who's like yourself. You're going to move to Molech, who's the darkest, most evil. It's kind of like this, moving to the lesser good, easy step, right? It's, it's still a good. It's just a lesser good. What's wrong with that? Then you, when you move to Asher, it's kind of like, it's the lesser evil, you know, no one's hurting anybody else. You can do some kind of well, sexual not, stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, it's, but it's, she it's also, good, but she also represents, evil. yeah, but she also represents the, and I just want to get this one point in, because we didn't talk about this destruction of the family and yeah. how important that is to have the family unit uh, for children. I mean, to, to have a mother and a father and this has been done through social engineering, you know, people, um, the whole black community, the, what a tragedy, because the with welfare checks, they were encouraged to live apart. And, you know, with this uh, Ishtar, she comes in like, oh, you don't need your spouse. I've got someone sexier over here. Or, you don't need to be yeah. married. And now even the whole concept in our society, so many people aren't getting married. The sacredness of marriage is something so important for our for for living god's word and yet most people reject even marriage we've completely taken every one of the ten commandments and stomped on them broken the tablets peed on them burned them in the fire and made it so that no one can remember what they are well we are, even we are we are doing the most evil things in terms of murdering the innocent. Now, here's what, here's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh could you... I just mention this? Because you were going to say this, and you were going to talk about this, this whole concept of the Ten Commandments and how that's even become perverted now with this new group on Mount Sinai. They're using the same mountain. They're delivering the Ten New Commandments, which are these uh, really Marxist laws under the guise of one of, of environmentalism. I don't know if you want to speak to that briefly. Yeah, we can't get, we can't get, um, any more oppositional to God, we can't, we can't have a, a global government system that's more anti-Christ, more moving towards the mark of the beast, global governments, one world government, all of that stuff than we are right now. Like there's, there's more steps to take, but we are, we are witnessing that unfold right now. It's and, as dark as it can get. This, this past so century, more people have been cold-blooded murdered than at all time throughout history you know if you if you turned away from god in the ancient times and you were even if you were someone who was like a roman leader and you're you're killing all the christians you're killing your thousands of people and that burning them at the stake and that that echoes through eternity and you're like oh my god what did diocletian or nero do it's insane thousands of people just up fast forward two thousand years later and a a, another godless person in modern times is able to kill 50 million people in a decade. Oh, yeah, that's... Or 10 million people. So the numbers are astronomically worse. Right? And, you know, and just to mention the connection between when you take God out of government and society, now we're doing that now to schools and, and teaching, and you have these, you know, move towards what we're moving towards now, this sort of totalitarian type governments that are based on communism or worse now, transhumanism is even worse than communism with the, the total control yeah. of your mind and body. But when you take God out, inevitably you get genocide. And it's just, it, it just, if you do this, it happens. All the biggest genocides in the world happen in communist countries and look at China and Russia and all these other places. Um, so this is what we're, what they're trying to edge us towards every, every day is a new step for them. I 100% agree with you. And, and 
living in a culture of death that's participating in genocide murder of the most vulnerable people in our society and and happy to do it right you come to a point where you move away from god little small step to yourself to this dark god who's going to make promises that you can be absolved and you can't and you come to a realization that you've done the worst things that are it's impossible to do anything worse than murder and sacrifice a child and at that point you're either going to return to god because you're so broken there's nowhere else to go you can't, there's no other Baal, Asherah, or Moloch. There's no other offer. You've already done the worst things to God, to yourself, to the innocent. Now, you're either going to turn back to God at that point in hum- humility and say, I'm sorry, I repent. And God can forgive the most vile murderer. You know, like Jeffrey Dahmer apparently became a Christian in jail and could be forgiven for his sins. Hard to believe. But that's how powerful God's grace is. So you could be a murderer. You could have participated in all these things and truly repent, change your ways and come back to God. But that's, again, not what usually happens. Now, the reason why I say return to God is because at that point when you're participating, that's when God will actually intervene. And you will face God in wrath and judgment, and it mm. will not be good. The, the wrath of God, the judgment of God is something that you want to avoid at all costs human proclivity you need a a heaven to pursue after and a hell to run away from you need kind of like a a carrot motivator and a stick motivator too and you need them in balance and and that is there right um you need to run away from the judgment now this may be uh a little bit out of left field but i want to read you a verse from the bible okay it's from romans romans 1 18 to 32 and as you listen to it Tell me if you don't think that it's describing our society today very accurately. You're going to see that word consent in there that you were talking about. I wanted you to pay attention to that and see why it's not okay to even just go along with what's going on. It's not okay to sit on the sidelines. It's actually just as bad as participating in it. But check this out. Romans 1, 18 to 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes being clearly seen are understood by the things that are made, his eternal power, his Godhead, and people are without excuse. But although they knew God, they didn't glorify him, nor were they thankful but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, to the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who's oh. blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men leaving their natural use of the woman burned in lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error, which was due. Now we're getting close to the end here, the wrath. And even as they did not like to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a debased mind, which means a mind that doesn't work, to do those things which are not fitting. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice these things deserve death, not only do the same, but consent with those who practice them. Oh, wow. Powerful. I'll have to get you to send me that. Uh, just the, the, yeah, that's very, very much our world today. Exactly. And I exactly. think it really highlights that kind of progression away from God to kind of worshiping the creation to kind of following your, your deceived heart or the depths of your vile passions to doing the most wicked, evil, vile, murderous things. And then you're facing the, the, the judgment, judgment of God as a result. Well, you said earlier before we started that, and I love this just as a reminder to people because they're, you know, God is forgiving and is loving and it's a simple thing, you know, do, do justice, love mercy. But the, the, the third thing you mentioned, and I want you to talk about this as well, but the importance is walking humbly with your God being humble. Yes. So coming and, and, and one of the other perversions now is all about pride. You got to be proud pride. Um, but being, but the, mm. the way back to God through humility um, and service to others, you know, it, 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 it's not a life that is empty. It's a life that's full. You and I have walked that path of serving yeah. others and serving God and, and, and speaking the truth and I feel, you know, my spirit is full. There's many obstacles, as you say, but the path is beautiful. The path is full, full of God's love in your heart. So can you speak to that last point? Maybe some people are melling this over and, you know, this whole concept that I love return to God about being humble and what that actually means, how people can do that. Well, Jesus says, <clears throat> I am the way the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He also says that there's a narrow path. Narrow is the path that leads to heaven, and wide is the path that leads to hell, right? So it's all good. That path, do whatever you want, leads to hell. Pride is the opposite of humility. That would be kind of one of the, the wide choices you could make. But when you're walking humbly with your God, the word humble has a very close connection to the word meek. And that word is very important because what meek means is somebody who is <clears throat> very strong, very trained, very skilled, <clears throat> but keeps those in check. Mm -hmm. Like somebody who has a sword and knows how to use it, but mm -hmm. keeps it sheathed. Right. I love that analogy. Beautiful. You don't want to be good, right? I mean, you don't want to be kind, but you want to be good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so it begs, begs the question, you know, what do we do? We live in a society that's full of these high places. They mm -hmm. may be the very high places that peg, plague their ancestors in the past. They may be demonic high places. Maybe they're evil. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe they're, they're all good. Jonathan Kahn at the end of his book basically does an altar call. He says, listen, you got to get right with Jesus. You have mm -hmm. to get right with God, do these things, just check the 10 commandments out, do what they say. They're not that hard. Walk humbly with God, you know, take care of the, the vulnerable in our society. Don't be polluted by the world. 
But what do we do in this dark culture that we live in, this culture of death? <clears throat> if we do nothing, we, we actually condone it. Okay. Exactly. I know, I know, uh, I've heard a quote that says, uh, Hitler himself told the churches of his day, just preach the gospel, right? The gospel is very powerful. The gospel has the power to tear down any high place, but he said to them, just stay in your churches and just preach the gospel. <clears throat> Don't worry about all the things going on outside your church, all the cultural changes that are happening or the camps that are being created. Don't, don't speak to that stuff, right? Just preach the gospel. John 3, 16, do your thing. And I think a lot of churches today in the past couple of years have kind of taken that Hitlerian advice or that kind of way of thinking and kind of said, all right, we're not going to worry about what the government's doing with changing definitions of marriage or all this abortion or mandates of vaccines or having governments close us down we're just going to focus on preaching the gospel and if we have to do it over zoom we will right but i don't think that's the way i think we're meant to be in yeah. the world and not of the world and i want to consider myself and i want to encourage people to be you know spiritually strong as well as physically strong right to be spiritual warriors to put on the armor of god the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth the sword of the word and the spirit the gospel which is your uh, sandals right now all these high places around what do we do do we just live and let live say hey we're multicultural oh. there's different ideas how did god judge those ancient kings of the past only one thing got them kind of declared a good king or a bad king, what they did with the high places. I think that we are very soon to face the judgment of God. I think that Romans verse speaks to it very clearly. I think we couldn't act any more similar to what's described there. We couldn't be behaving any more vilely, any more evilly, any more murderously of the innocent. So we're, we're, soon going to face judgment you know it's likely that we're in the end days and the ultimate revelation judgment is coming too but even if we're not quite there yet i think we face two choices we're going to return to god one way or the other the bible says you know every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord and it's like really some people don't uh believe that they're non-believers or they're different faiths or how are they going to well i think when god comes to you in judgment in power in strength and in his righteous anger you're going to fall to your knees face on the ground out of pure fear of yeah. the holiness of god and this so, could happen after you die like spiritual this is a spiritual journey so this might not you know you might literally pass on and never said you believe in God, but this, this spiritual journey and this judgment does happen. Um, so we're going to face, you're going to, you're going to face judgment one way or the other. And if, you know, if you're saved in Christ, you'll have a chance for him to be your advocate and stand before the father and say, don't worry, she's with me or he's with me, but you yeah. can, you can turn back to God right now and avoid that judgment because Jesus, if you read some of the verses that describe how, dark and twisted and evil and painful and uh, terrible his crucifixion was and you realize that that's the the punishment uh, the wrath of god poured out on him instead of us it, it kind of changes what it is you can turn back to god now repent 
and get back on that narrow road and keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Just like do justice, wow. mercy, walk humbly. But um, <clears throat> we still got to deal with those high places. And my, my understanding is that I think we need to tear down the high places that stand against God, stand against the knowledge of God and stand in opposition and temptation, you know, away from God, right? So we need to stand against the fear and worship of creation in terms of like environmentalism, like as if, as if yeah. uh, we, we can control nature. God's in control of the weather. God's in control of the rain. God's in control of the lightning. You know, we can trust God in that. We can't put that before God. We need to tear down the high places of pride, right? Well, and and even the, the disruption of family and the whole unit of, of, of what it means, the definition, all the sacred places within life. Family is at the heart. Abortion and child sacrifices cuts off the lineage of your family. It dishonors your parents because they did what they had to do as loving couple created you with the expectation that you would carry on and continue that lineage. When well, you God. kill your baby, you're dishonoring your parents, objecting to commandment number uh, four, right? To or five to love and honor your parents. Right. Um, and, and God says, go forth and multiply. So that's another right. a way of attacking God by this, all these depopulation uh, programs, whether it's through sterilization overtly with drugs or anything else. It's, it's another rebelliousness against God to Absolutely. stop us from procreating. And, and pride, pride and homosexuality and trans, trans issues, they stand in the way of the family as well, because they stand in the way of reproduction. Right. So it's, it's very clear that, um, you know, if you're a communist and you want to bring communism in instead of freedom, you have to get rid of God. You have to get rid of country. You have to get rid of family and you have to get rid of the individual. Right. And if you're Satan and you want to get rid of God and make people do, it, you have to do the same, same strategy of attack, right? Get rid of God, get rid of family, get rid of your individual. And by that, I mean, someone who is made in the image of God, right? Right. Well, this has been amazing, Daryl. I mean, I'm, I'm getting this idea that maybe we should have you on to do a book review every month or so, because it's fascinating the way you break it down from a Christian perspective. And even people who may not be Christians, it's something to consider. And it's, I think there's there's real truths in there to look into when you when you start to read the Bible and the word of God. So uh, thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to say sort of as we close off now? I, I, I know we've gone on long, but it's so fascinating. And maybe we could get you on for another book. Is there any other books that uh, you could suggest for next time? We well, I mean, I, I, I think that's a great idea, Tish. It might be uh, something we can look into, you know, even the, the classics of 1984, Brave New World or Animal Farm or, um, you know, books in that kind of dystopian future. I think really analyzing them and understanding the prophetic messaging in them so we can, you know, learn from history and recognize the patterns and, and see where we're at. I think it would be a valuable pursuit. I think it's really helpful. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we were shown those books in high school and, uh, you know, didn't understand or appreciate them at the time, but they're not teaching those books in high school anymore. No, they don't. So, want to um, yeah. I would love to something like that or any other classic, uh, 
awesome. work of Shakespeare or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, getting together. Tish, you, you, uh, you got a great podcast here. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, I want to encourage people to get this book as a, as a starting place to understand what's going on in our society. Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. And, uh, you know, I just, I really want to encourage people to return to God, avoid the wrath that's coming to stand for what's good, right. And true. And, uh, let's, let's keep the conversation going because excellent. Excellent, Daryl. That was, re- I'm going to have to listen to that again. It was excellent. And we definitely will set something up. I, I'd i love for you to go through as the teacher in you. I see how you pre- prepare the lesson and it's just amazing. So we'll have to do, I think, Animal Farm and some of these, these books. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really valuable from your perspective. So thank you again Thanks, and uh, talk again. God bless. You too.